Draw a circle around yourself with that piece of chalk. I see it. I see it. I see that circle. All right. Now stay in that circle. Give me that piece of chalk back, man. Now, you know what Gavin needs to do? If he wants revival, he needs to stay in that circle and pray that God would revive everything that is in that circle. He would kill the flesh, crucify the flesh, and make him come alive spiritually and not leave till that happens. That's what it takes for revival, man. And you'll do that when you get home. Here, I'm going to give you a piece of chalk just so, okay. All right, go ahead. That's M, uh, Alana's chalk. So, no, go ahead. You're, you need to, you, you can go sit back down. Uh, thank you for helping me. But I, I do have a message to get through. So I'm going to let you do that whole circle thing at home. And, and I'll be looking for you on Indian River Drive, standing in your driveway, Gavin. All right. <laughs> He'll be standing. But that's what Gypsy Smith said. He said, you want revival, man? Draw a circle around yourself. And pray that God would make there be revival in that circle. And when there's revival in that circle, there's going to be revival in your life. Amen? That's what's supposed to happen. So Romans is a book of revival. I want to read you a couple of things. I'm not real big on this. And I don't even know how long I'm going to get in how far. I know we're not getting past the first verse. Hey, man. What's up, Sean? Uh, it's, I'm not getting past the first verse today in Romans. But I'm not in a hurry to get through Romans. I, I preached through Romans. I've been in four other churches prior to this. Been in the ministry over 30 years. And, and each time it seems that I preach the book of Romans, I'm, I'm on some self-imposed deadline. I'm on somebody's schedule. It, we went to the war room and uh, put on the whiteboard before, this, before the year ever began of all the series we were going to do and how long each was going to take and so on. And, and again, I'm not saying if that's what you're supposed to do, it's, it's wrong or whatever. But man, that's not where I'm living anymore. Where I'm at with my walk with Christ, man, I want to, I want to savor the word of God. I want to, I want to taste it. I want to take a bite, man. I want to, I want to savor it. I want to, I want to get out of it. And that's what I've been getting. And when we did Ephesians, oh my goodness, I learned so much. And the Bible studies we're doing at night have been so rich. Revelation, I've never gotten as much out of Revelation as seeing the revealed Christ, the exalted Christ, and the encouragement I can have from the exalted Christ that we're seeing on Monday night Bible study. If y'all want to jump on that, jump on Zoom at 6.30 on Mondays. We're already in chapter 18, so there's only a few more to go, but that may take months. I don't know. But what we're doing is we're savoring stuff. So I have no idea how long it's going to get through it, and we're only going to take is we're only going to cover as much as God wants us to cover. But please know this: whatever I share with you, I'm speaking on His behalf. That's my job to share with you what He wants me to share with y'all. Now, what y'all do with it is up to you. The same way it's up to me what I do with it. But in this, uh, almost every commentary, everything I studied on Romans. Uh, in this, everybody brought up three or four testimonies of some great men of God. Man, and I want to read a couple of them to you. I want you to know that Romans, man, has been uh, through a verse in Romans. Somebody heard a verse in Romans. Somebody heard this, and, and they got saved, and great revivals came through it. And, and, and so there's such deep, rich stuff in Romans. Don't miss a week. If you do, catch it up on YouTube or Spotify, whatever. JJ's got all that junk on, man. It's like, man, he, he's got, JJ, where are we at? We got, okay, it's on the, yeah, he's on all that stuff. But I'm just saying, man, Romans, Romans is rich. So listen to this real quick. Um, in, in the summer of eight, six, uh, three, six, 386, I can't even read that. In the summer of 386, that was uh, AD, <laughs> right? The original 386, a young man wept in the backyard of a friend. He knew his life of sin and rebellion against God left him empty and feeling dead, but he just couldn't find the strength to make a final real decision for Christ. Man, he's empty. He knew the solution, but he just couldn't find it in him to really just sell out to Christ, to sell his whole life out. And he knew that's what it took. As he sat, he heard children playing a game, and they called out to each other these words, Take up and read, take up and read. It was some song they were saying. Thanking God, uh, thinking God had a message for him in the words of the children, he picked up the scroll lying nearby. A scroll. How many of y'all got a scroll lying nearby? This is your scroll right here if you got a word of God in that. He picked up the word of God and it was laying nearby and he began to read. Not in reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 
to gratify its desires. That's Romans 13, 13b through 14. He heard, he read those words. God picked those words out and those words came alive in his heart. And from that point on, man, he changed. It says he didn't read any further. He didn't need to. Through the power of God's word, St. Augustine, you ever hear Augustine, St. Augustine? Yeah, St. Augustine gained the faith to give his whole life to Jesus Christ at that particular moment. So that's what I'm saying. There's just some powerful words. August of 1513, you want to go a little further in history. A monk lectured on the book of Psalms to seminary students. So there's a dude teaching people the book, the word of God. He was uh, lecturing to seminary students, but his inner life was nothing but turmoil. In his studies, he came across Psalm 31.1 that says, In thy righteousness, deliver me. The passage confused Luther, Martin Luther. How could God's righteousness do anything but condemn me to hell? God's right. God requires us to be. How righteous does God require us to be? Kaylin, Gabriel, how, how righteous? Perfect. And that's what he looked as. How can that righteousness help me? All, he can, all that righteousness can do is send me to hell because I can't be righteous. Anybody feel that way? If he expects perfection, man, I, I'm doomed. How can that encourage me? And thy righteousness deliver me. The passage confused Luther. And how could God's righteousness do anything but condemn him to hell as a righteous punishment for his sins? Luther kept thinking about Romans 1.17, which says, The righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. And it is written, He who through faith is righteous shall live. The monk went on to say, night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us of faith. Therefore, I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through open doors into paradise. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway into heaven. In other words, what he realized, it wasn't his righteousness in keeping that law what it was, it was God's righteousness that was already righteous being applied to his life. And so in this, um, when we look at uh, when we look at this, J.J., want to get me up to speed here? Um, I'm just going to let you get me there. Um, give me back uh, revival through Romans. That's what we're looking at. And, and here's what I want you to get. This is what Martin Luther found out. We are not called to behave. We are called to believe. Y'all get that? There's a difference. And say that with me. We are not called to what? We're called to? Dude, that's it. So, man, we're called to believe. If we believe, we'll behave. Okay? So it's not a free will. Grace is not free will. Licentiousness to sin, do whatever. But Martin Luther, every time he looked at righteousness of God, righteousness of God, how can I do it? All the righteousness God does is condemn me to hell because I can't keep it. And so, what he finally understood was, man, I just have to believe that God has put his righteousness on me. I got to believe that whatever God says and calls me to do, that's what I can do. That's what I need to do. And when I do that, all of a sudden, when I'm following him, uh, when I'm following him, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. In fact, in Romans, we're going to learn in chapter six that if you try to co complete the law, you, the more you think about fulfilling the law, the more you're going to sin. All you're thinking about, the red button, don't push the button, don't push the button, don't push the button, don't push, hey, bro, what are you going to do, man? Bob, what are you going to do? Push the button, and then you're like, oh, I blew it. How many of y'all ever pushed the button and blew it? Instead, you know what you got to do? You got to get away from that button. You start following God. You start walking with God. That button is somewhere over there. You walk and follow God and get in a loving relationship with him. He's not leading you anywhere near that button. And if he does, you see a new purpose for that button. You see some people that need to be led away from that button. And, and that's your lifestyle now. So again, man, this is going to be kind of the theme of what we see in this, that we're not called to behave. We're called to believe. Okay? So let's just say, anybody here, is there, uh, anybody here like, like, uh, could use some free groceries? How about, who here would love to have uh, free groceries at Publix. Uh, yeah, dude, man, we shop at Aldi's and Walmart because we can't afford Publix, all right? I'm just saying, dude. I only go to Publix when they're out of it at Walmart, bro. And, uh, and, and, and I got to go buy my Duke's mayonnaise because they don't carry it no more over there. And I'm just saying, man, free groceries at Publix. And God says, man, let, let's just say, I, I, give you, I give you a card and I say, hey, 
This is a card where you can go to Publix anytime you want and buy everything. MJ's going, oh, that's heaven. Heaven's going to be better than free groceries at Publix, MJ. But could, would that not be cool to have a card where you just go to Publix, man, and you go to buy your groceries, and it's like, choo, 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 and it's like, and, and, and you go to pay for it? I was in front of a guy, behind the guy at Publix. We have to go get ice at Publix because they have the little round ones, man. Anyways, another story, but... I watched the guy, he forgot his credit card, something happened, and he had to leave half his groceries. That was hard, man. And I was way back, so I don't really know what all happened, but, but man, can you imagine not having to leave your groceries? Can you imagine having this card, MJ, and all you do is walk up, give it to the cashier, ching, ching, and you walk out with your groceries. Would that be cool? Would it not? Would it, and, and, and would it be stupid? If instead, you're like, oh, well, here, put these on the card. Oh, oh and I'm going to pay for these myself. Or how about every once in a while you go in, hey, Kaylin, Gabrielle, go into Publix every once in a while, you're like, ooh, I don't know, this is splurging, I think I'm going to get myself a pub sub, I'm going to pay for that myself. Would that be foolish if you had a card to pay for it all? Yeah, and so what it means to not, we're not called to behave, we're called to believe, it was believe God has met all our needs, that God has everything we need to do what he wants us to do. Now, you got a whole cart full of liquor, dude, at Publix. You think God's buying that? No, he's not buying that. <laughs> you know, because you're going to get drunk off that, and you're going to be controlled by something else, and that's a whole other subject right there. Just like if it was a whole cart full of crack. He ain't buying that either. I'm just saying. But, but the point is, what it is, he's giving you, and he says, he says, here, here's what I want you to buy. Here's what I want you to go in and purchase. Here's what I want you to do with it. Oh, by the way, hey, I want you to invite a bunch of people over and buy a bunch of stuff here and do this. I can't afford it. Isn't that what we do often? When God says, no, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Boom, charge it. Put it on his card and you got it. But you got to know what he wants you to buy. You got to know where he wants you to buy it. You got to know what to do with it. And that's what the book of Romans, the book of Romans doesn't say, now do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. No, he said, this is what you have. This is what God wants to accomplish in you, Steve. This is what he wants you to be. You're afraid I'm going to bring you up like Gavin, man. I'm going to have you and Gavin dancing in a minute. No, I'm just never. But he, he says, man, it, so often we get back into this legalistic mentality of, I got to do this, I got to do, you know, and, and, and when it's all been taken care of, we just have to do what he wants us to do. And he's buying it, he's paid for it, he's already paid for it, it's already done. Just give the cashier the card. Quit trying to figure it all out. But the problem, I think, comes sometimes is when we want to buy stuff God don't really want us to buy. We want to do things God doesn't really want us to do. We want to go somewhere God doesn't really want us to go. We want to be something God doesn't want us to be. And that's where the conflict is. The conflict is when we have a conflict with God and all of this. And so we're torn trying to do, the, do what God wants us to do and do what we want to do. Paul addresses all of that in Romans. And so what we're going to find in Romans is God said, we're going to find out how good God is, how awesome he is, and that this is what God wants me to do. And if you're busy doing what God wants you to do, you, man, you're, you just keep putting yourself behind, putting yourself away. You don't even want to be yourself. You want to be who God wants you to be in all of this. So here's what, if you don't get anything out of this today, I want you to be thinking about this. We're not called to behave. Chuck, your sisters are here. Both, did, did Chuck ever misbehave as a child? No, never. Yeah, 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 dude. And, and, and the harder, Chuck, I know you're a lot like me, man. Sometimes the harder we tried to behave, what happened? The worse it was, man. And, and so, so in this, it's not about behaving. It's about believing who God says you are. Your identity. Who are you in Christ? What do you have in Christ? What is his plan for you? And as we learn all of this about God's plans for us, then, man, it becomes easier to believe. And if we believe, are we going to obey, Kristen? Yeah. If you, be, if you be, try to behave, are you always going to behave? No. In fact, Romans is going to tell us you won't. But if you believe, you will. It all comes down to believing, having that faith. And so in this, that's what we're going to look. Paul starts off, we're going to look at three things, maybe, in all of this. We'll see how fast we go through it. But the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. And 
the Apostle Paul, this is like his most complete work on everything you would ever need to know about Christianity. That's why I told Emily this morning in the parking lot, and she made a funny face. I said, Emily, I'm probably never going to preach another. This is going to take me to the end of my life. I'm never probably going to preach another book in my life here at Driftwood if I stick to Romans, if that's where God wants us, because it's going to take that long because I don't want you to miss a single thing God has in store for you. I don't want to miss it. I want revival. Any of y'all sick of lukewarmness in your life? And, and, and the closer you get to God, the farther away you see you are sometimes. And again, it's not to discourage you, but man, when he's so good, why don't we just keep getting closer and getting closer and getting closer when that's what's available to us? And we have all of that right here. The Apostle Paul wrote this book and he wrote it from Corinth. He was in Corinth and Apostle Paul, yeah, I know I'm going to go to Jerusalem and, you know, uh, I'm going to go to Spain after I go to Jerusalem and, um, and, and that's what he thought he was going to do. He was collecting money for all the poor saints in Jerusalem from Corinth. They were a rich city, and they were giving money, and all the persecuted saints in Jerusalem needed some cash to be able to eat, place to live, and so on. So he was all on track. I have everything planned out. Uh, you know, I'm in Corinth, I'm going to Rome, and I'm going to, and I'm going to Spain. How many of y'all ever had life planned out? How many of y'all had God blow that one out of the water? <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Paul did get to Jerusalem, but he didn't get to Jerusalem on his own terms. He actually, uh, or to Rome on his own terms, he actually, uh, so a, I'm sorry, after Jerusalem, he was going to go to Rome, and after Rome, he was going to go to Spain. He did get to Jerusalem, but he got, or to Rome, but he got arrested in Jerusalem. Anybody ever get arrested in Jerusalem? No, <laughs> hopefully not. He got arrested, and he never made it to Spain and never made it to Rome in this but he wrote this in Corinth and it was everything that anyone would ever need now apostle paul who was he man apostle paul he was a, a jewish uh, he was a pharisee he was man he was about as jewish religious as you could get he studied under the most awesome teachers he knew everything about the law he uh, had a roman citizenship Man, he had every, he was an up and coming young Jewish star in the religious culture there. And in fact, so much so, he was so zealous. Who did he decide once Christianity started coming out, who did he decide he was going to persecute? Christians. And listen, 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 listen. This would have meant to persecute. He would come into your house, you guys are worshiping God, and you know what he would do? He would take you guys to jail, he would take your kids, separate them. And he'd put them somewhere where they weren't going to hear about Christianity. And he would take you guys and throw you to prison. If not, and if you were that important and doing something in your house, he would actually have you killed publicly, stoned publicly. Do you know how they stoned people, y'all, back then? They would dig a hole that was about neck high. And they would put you in this hole neck high. And, and you were there and people were around you. And whoever had the, the, made the accusation, they had two or three witnesses. That was the law. So they didn't violate anything. Those two or three witnesses would take the biggest stones. You're standing in a hole, neck high, and they would literally pound those three big, huge stones on your head. And as you fell, the whole, all of the other witnesses would fill the hole in with stones. So if you can imagine the Apostle Paul, that's Stephen. You go look in the book of Acts, that's what happened to Stephen, right? Apostle Paul was leading that charge. Here's this man preaching the gospel, preaching about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. And we know that's pure heresy. And they put Stephen there and they took him and they threw stones on him. And as he's fallen, he said, man, I'm seeing heaven open up. I'm seeing the resurrected Christ. I'm seeing Paul took great pleasure in actually killing him. And, and, and that's what Paul did. You understand, we don't, we don't look at that when we see about the apostle Paul. This is where he was and he did it all in the name of who? God, he thought he was following God, literally separating families, killing kids, killing people, having him thrown into jail, persecuting them hard so that the purpose of persecution was so that if someone saw what happened to you, they were not taking the same path as you. That's what Paul was doing. Paul then went to the head dude. Paul said, you know what? I know there's more, there's more uh, up in Syria, Damascus. I know there's a bunch of Christians up there. Give me papers so I can start arresting people outside of Jerusalem. Let me go to every place these people are preaching about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ risen. Give me papers and permission, and I'll round up an army, and let me kill all these people 
so they don't tarnish Judaism because this is a big cult, this Christianity stuff. It's garbage. It's leading people the wrong way. It's going to send them to hell. Was Apostle Paul right? No, dude, he was wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. Who's the only one who convinced somebody that headstrong that they are wrong? And guess what happened on the road to Damascus? <laughs> on the road, man, he's walking. He's like, ah, hey, you want to help me kill some Christians? Yeah, you want to help me get rid of all of this? Look at this family. Ah! And he, literally, he's taking people out on the way. And what does God do to the Apostle Paul? Boom! Hits him with a bright light. And, 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 he, and he has a conversation with which you can read all about uh, in the New Testament. All this is there. But he has a conversation. He said, man, you know what? You don't, you're, you're, you're fighting against me. You're fighting it. There was a thing called a goad they would use to poke animals and get animals to go there. He said, he said, I'm poking you now, Paul. And it's pretty hard for you to go against that. And Paul, the, it was so real of G, the resurrected Jesus Christ coming face to face with Paul, that he made it real for Paul, and Paul surrendered how much of his life to Jesus Christ? And how quick was that transition? How fast did, well, give me some time, and let me transition out of this Pharisee stuff, because I got some bills to pay, and, and let me go set some things straight. No, how quick did it all go down, y'all? Boom, man, when Jesus comes in your life, folks, dude, there's no halfway. He takes you and bam, there it is. And the apostle Paul went from being a murderer to being somebody who was madly in love with Jesus Christ because once he found out that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the savior of the world, and he's literally been killing families and people who have been worshiping him, man, he's begging God Almighty for mercy. God, how could you ever forgive me for doing this? Oh my goodness, God, could you ever have enough mercy to, could you ever forgive me? Can, and God said, it's already done, Paul. It's already done. And God started revealing himself to the apostle Paul. He felt, you know why he fell madly in love with Christ? Because he saw how much Christ loved him first. Is that not how you fell in love with Christ? If you fell in love with Christ. Again, being a Christian isn't like going to church. It isn't, what Billy Graham's wife, what did she say? She said something like, you, you can no more become a Christian by going to church than you could become a car by sleeping in a garage, <laughs> right? So any of y'all who come to church, you got a drug problem, some, your wife, your husband, your, your mom, dad drug you to church. <laughs> That's a drug problem in church, right? They drug you to church and you're there, all right, I put up and dude, we even went to Pastor Eddie and he preached two hours, man, three sometimes. That's got to count for something, man. <laughs> like, no. None of that counts. Only thing that counts is when you realize you're a sinner. You realize that's what these colors are all about, man. You, you realize that your home ain't heaven. You realize that this black, you've got sin in your life, and there's nothing you can do to cover the sin. There's nothing you can do to erase it, nothing you can do to take it away. Nothing you can do, and God requires perfection. And then all of a sudden, you hear about Jesus, this red, and you hear about how he lived a perfect life. Never sinned once, even on the cross, being abused, man, and tired. Christine, you ever mess up when you're tired? Oh, Kevin, does she ever mess up when she's tired? Yeah, not you, but I'm just talking about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a mom of how many? 8,000 kids, and sometimes it feels like that, right? But even on the cross, he never sinned. Never, ever sinned. He had to have a righteous life of 30-something years, 30 years of perfection, wasn't three minutes of perfection, it was 30 years of it. So that he could take this righteous life and, and, and use it as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for all of our past, present, and future sins. And during that three hours, from noon to three o'clock, God laid on him the punishment of all your sins, Sue. Dude, how, I mean, I, I've only heard stories about you, man. It's like your past sins. You think you could have handled the punishment on just your past ones? How about your present ones, ones you've committed just since you've been here? Think you can handle that? What about the ones you're going to commit? No, he don't have to. He took all of those sins to the cross. He took the punishment for it. Anybody ever been punished for something you did? IRS. How about the IRS? I'm just saying, I'm just, anything. You know? We've been punished, but you have not ever experienced the full punishment 
for your sins, and Christ took the full punishment for all your sins. Paul realized that. And not only did he take it, but then coming to you in grace later, he says, hey, I want to give you, Sue. Hey, Sue, are you willing to give me your old life? <laughs> are you willing to give me your old life? Yeah, yeah, here it is. <laughs> You're like, gladly, gladly. And he says, I'll, get, I'll take your old sinful life, but guess what I'm giving you? I'm giving you my perfect righteous life. Do you, do you would you, because you, you love him, right? Did he not do that for you? And that's why we're in love with him. Apostle Paul realized that on the road to Damascus, man, and got converted instantly. Bam! All right, God, I, you can forgive all of this that I have done. Can you imagine seeing the blood of the Christians he had killed? All that he had actually really done. And God forgave him, and he understood that forgiveness. You know why some of y'all don't live in forgiveness? Because you won't forgive yourself. If God will forgive you, if God has forgiven you, who are you to hold your sins against you? Accept that forgiveness. That's the revival we're talking about in the book of Romans. That revival, when you see the word of God talk about this, and you finally get the concept that you are forgiven, and you believe that, Man, do you think Apostle Paul had any problem obeying Christ after the road to Damascus? No, you think, no, he didn't. He was in love, man. He was just like, boom, I'm head on. So again, once you give your life to Christ, once you take his righteousness, guess where your home is, y'all? What's a, This gold represents the streets of gold, which are where? So my, our, my home, if I'm a believer, is where? Heaven, but it wasn't always so. I had sin in my life that I couldn't pay for, I couldn't take away, but I heard about Christ and I heard that he did. And I believed it. How many of y'all believe that? Believe it with your heart and soul, not just your head, but man, you believe it. Man, when that happens, you get converted and your home is now heaven. How many of y'all think it would have been a pretty cool deal to go to heaven the minute you got saved? How many of y'all would like to be in heaven right now? You know, yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm praying for the rapture while you preach, man, because it's taking a while. No. <laughs> no, man, heaven. What a cool place. But how many of you would not be saved today if he took the person who witnessed you to heaven the moment they got saved? Aren't you glad he kept some folks around? I'm grateful he had Joe Diosecki and Lewis Edwards come and be able to share the Romans Road with me. How many of y'all got saved here in the Romans Road? Anybody? Yeah. It comes from the book of Romans. This book's so deep, man. And this is the gospel of God. Not the gospel of Paul, but the gospel of God. God invented it. And, and God carries it out, and God sustains it. So Paul, listen, what he says here in the book of Romans, he starts this off. He said, I, the apostle Paul, who have all these religious credentials, and who is going to write most of the New Testament, and the apostle Paul who did this and did this, and is that what he says? No, look what he says. The very first thing he says, before he even says he's an apostle, the very first thing he says is he is a what? A servant. And I'm going to tell you something about this word servant. Okay, this is the word doulios. There's a couple of, of words in the Greek for servant. Uh, and in chapter 4, we're going to see even a stronger one, talking about a third-level galley slave. But in this one, this literally means slave. It means slave. I think possibly it's been a little disservice to us to have it translated always in the New Testament as servant. Because when we think of a servant, okay, I'm going to go serve somebody. You know, Steve, I'm going to go serve in the church. Well, when do you serve in the church? Well, well, I'll, okay, my life is my own. I'm not picking on you that this is you, but my life is my own. I get to do this, this, but I'm going to volunteer to work with the kids and serve with the kids. So during this point in time, I serve here. Oh, I've done my service. Oh, here's another thing. I'm going to go serve here. Oh, wait, here's somebody that I could feed. I'm going to go serve Christ here. In other words, when we hear this word servant, we often think that it's at our discretion, isn't it? I mean, don't you feel, oh, I'm serving God right now, you know? Well, what about a time when you're serving yourself? <laughs> you see, in this word servant, there is no time to serve yourself. When, if you think about the word slave, who calls the shots, y'all? The master. If you call servant, you're like, oh, I, I call the shots. I get to kind of decide when I'm going to serve and when I'm not going to serve. It's a little bit of a disservice because this word is translated as slave. Now, slave isn't a bad thing. In fact, in, in, uh, on Wednesday night, 
we are in the life of Moses, and we're getting ready to hit chapter 21 in the book of Exodus, where God has rules about slaves. Now, he never says in here, oh, I want you to have slaves. Here, you have to have slaves. No, in fact, slavery's been around forever, and it's even, it's very prominent in the East right now, in the Mideast, and all over the world. And again, it's a horrendous thing, but it's also, it's a good thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it equivalent to this. How many of y'all are slave to your job? Uh, okay, some of y'all are like, yeah, dude, psh, psh, my boss. Uh, you know, no, no, no. How many of y'all are going to your job tomorrow because you're a slave to your debt? Anybody? Yeah, there you go. You're, you, you, if, if, I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm a, all right, I don't call and consider myself a slave to that. But, dude, if I don't go to work, I can't pay the bills. If I can't pay the bills, I don't have this. I can't pay my debt. I can't exist. I can't whatever. So it was very equivalent to that, but it was a lot worse also. In the Roman culture, around Jesus' time, 75% of the people in Rome were slaves of some sort. I would say today in America, the percentage is much higher. If you really looked at your job, in fact, in Proverbs it says the borrower is servant to the lender, right? You borrow money, you got to pay your bills, and you got to pay your bills by going to work, and so you have that relationship right there. Now, we do have freedoms with unions and with with a, a constitution and everything that we have, you can quit and you can become a slave to the government and let them take care of all your needs. I'm being very facetious, but a lot of people, oh, I don't have to, I'm getting paid by the government. You're a slave to the government. We're a slave to something. He wants us to be a slave to Jesus Christ, amen? You are a slave to something. You serve someone, some system, something. And we as believers are a slave to Christ. Now, in Exodus 21, check this out. Here's what they said. Now, if you became a slave, uh, indentured servant, there were times where, uh, you know, people couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't get things done. So they'd go to a boss and they'd say, look, man, or, or, or a debtor, and they would say, look, I, I, here's my family. Here's me. That was the way the culture worked. Your whole family went, and you guys stayed there, and you worked. And you could work your debt off to where you're paying for it, paying for it, and, 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 and you don't owe the guy anything. But at the end of that term, once your debt was paid off, let's say you had a good master, and you're like, dude, I don't really want to leave here. This is a really good job. <laughs> this is real. You're taking care of me. You feed me really well. I've got really good circumstances here. I have everything I need. You're not hard to serve. You're, in fact, it, it, you love me, actually. And, and in fact, that's what it even talks about in Exodus 21, where all of a sudden you love the master, and the master loves you, and you say, hey, can me and my family stay and be a slave for you forever? That's literally what it's saying in there. And, and if the master said, by all means, then what they would do is you would take your ear and put it up against the doorpost, and, and you would have a, a hole put in it with an awl that symbolized that now you belong to somebody else. That's what that word slave means, that you, you, you belong to somebody. Now, again, like David in Psalm 23, he said, the Lord is my, help me out, I shall not, yeah, could every sheep say that? <laughs> no. In fact, a sheep, their whole existence was dependent upon how good their shepherd was. That's why David said, the Lord, he's my shepherd. He's my master. He's my shepherd. I got everything I need. I don't need anything. He's taking care of me. He is the most awesome master. If me as a sheep would go out on my own, I'd be dead. I'd be in trouble. And that's what actually happened in Exodus 21. Dude, if I go out, from the situation I'm in with this master that loves me, and I go out and try to provide on my own, and I, I try, man, I, I, I'm going to sink. I'm going to be in bad shape. Can I stay with you? I like what's going on. And it's a beautiful picture of who we become in Christ. Is Christ, he's our shepherd, I shall not want. Man, how about Christ? Is there any better master to be a slave to than Christ? You having a hard time with this? <laughs> you understand that's what Christianity is, don't you? Because when you, the Apostle Paul, how much of his life did he give to Christ? Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm going to keep this little part over here. I, you know what, God? I got a box right here. It's me and my life, my box. And I heard something at Sunrise Service. I heard something at church. I'm going to invite you into my box, Jesus. <laughs> 
I'm going to invite you into my box. Come on in my box. Oh, no, don't go there, Jesus. No, not that part of my box. I'm going to invite you over to this part of my box. And then I'm going to decide how much of my box I'm going to let you be a part of and what you want to do in my box. That ain't salvation, y'all. That's a false religion by a false teacher. You know what salvation is? You get out of your box. I don't want nothing to do with this box. I'm getting in your box, God. I'm getting in your box. It's empty. It's nothing in it but you. That's it. Only you. Now, whatever you choose to bring from my old box, you get to choose. You get to do this, but I'm getting in, my bo- I'm getting in my, your box, and all that I have is you. What did Paul later say? He said, for me to live is what? Christ, to die is better. Because, yeah, to die is gain is better. All I need is Christ. That's what you're going to see. Boy, this is hard with the American dream, isn't it? Boy, this is hard in our culture, isn't it? But that's what Paul said even to Timothy that would happen later. So Paul starts off the very first thing you got to understand about Christianity. It's all Christ and none you. You give your life to him. If you give your life to him, who doesn't have your life anymore? Are everybody ready for this exercise? Put your thumbs up, man. All right, you ready? Put your thumbs up. If you give your life to him, who doesn't have your life anymore? And I want you to go, me! Ready? If you give your life to him, who doesn't have your life anymore? Whoo! <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. But you got to believe. Why would you keep part of your life? Why would you even keep some of it? Bob, is there anything in your life you can do better than God? No, but do you always believe that? No, you don't. <laughs> Neither do I. That's why, as we find out in the book of Romans, how awesome he is, how much he loves us, and we just go, this makes no sense, but I believe. I'm going to go do this. And as you believe, you behave. It's not about behaving and then trying to, okay, God, look, I checked all the boxes. Here I am. No. Paul, it's about you giving your life to him. Brandon, how much of your life do you give to him, bro? All of it. How often? All the time. You are a slave. A slave has no right to call the shots anymore. And so you owed a debt. What was your debt, bro? Sin. You had a debt of sin that you could not pay ever. And the only way, you couldn't even pay it by being separated from him forever and ever in hell. You couldn't pay it. He came and said, dude, you're on death row. I'm going to give you a pardon. You believe in that pardon? You believe I'm giving you the pardon? Then walk out of jail and quit doing whatever it is that got you back in there. Walk out of jail and follow me. Walk out of jail and follow me. That's the part. You believe. He says, go here. Believe. He said, do this. Believe. Do that. Believe. Oh, hey, don't do that. Believe. You see, it's not about behave, it's about believe. What does he want you to do? What does he, where does he want you to go? In all of that, it's about believe, not behave. Because what happens is, oh, I got to do this. I'm not very good at it. No, you stink at it. (laughs) He's like, just believe. And as you believe, you're just, how many of you have ever believed and you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, this is not me. (laughs) Oh my goodness, look what's happening in my, Kevin, you ever done that? You just stepped out and believed, and you look back and see what God's doing? Yeah, Russ, does that not happen to you every single day? Yeah, it's an unpredictable life. That's why it's called faith. I don't have to know what's going on, at least when I'm full of faith. (laughs) When I'm carnal, I got to know what's going on, right? Like I can really do something about it. Hey, what does God know? What can God do? And where is he? So just take those three attributes and compare those to you or anyone else you want to let be your boss. Paul wasn't, he was a sharp cookie, dude. He knew the law. He knew people. He was, man, he was a top-notch dude. And look what he said, man. I am a slave to Christ. I'm a slave to him. That's it. And I, I'm a slave that loves his master. And that what we had on the title, the previous slide, I am a slave in love with my master. That's, that's, that's where it all starts. So that's what you got to ask yourself. Are you a slave to Christ? I prefer the term servant. We'll use it, but use it in the right context. 
Realize a servant, a slave doesn't get to call the shots. A slave does whatever the master wants. But it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to actually be in love with your master. Do you know? Hey, JT, imagine if your wife, man, she wrote you love letters. I bet she couldn't talk. You're like, oh, that'd be all right. No, I'm just messing with you now. Some of y'all are like, can y'all do that for my wife, man? No, but imagine she couldn't talk. She could, all she could do is write you love letters. And she wrote you love letters multiple times a day, shoved them in your pocket, shoved them in your car, shoved them everywhere, and, and, and you never read the love letters. Would you know how much she loved you? Would you even understand her actions? No, you got to read the love letters to be able to understand the actions that are in there. The Word of God is a giant love letter. And that's why we need to be in that word so we can understand the actions and see how much God loves us. Because the more we see how much he loves us, the more we what? Love him. And it's not a motivation of guilt that we serve him, a motivation of anything but love. I Man, why would I not do what this person who loves me more than anyone in the world, man, why would I not do what he wants me to do? How many of you followed him and he's blown you away by what he's done? Yeah. Kurt, I'm picking on you, man. You came to Bible study Wednesday night, right? And, I was, and, and, and that took a little bit of faith, right? He's never been, he hasn't been to Bible study in 30-something years or whatever. Kind of like, for all he knew, we were sacrificing chickens, bro, right? <laughs> and we were going to smear blood and do war paint. You didn't really have a clue what we were going to do because this is driftwood after all. I'm just saying. <laughs> he came to Bible study and, you know, and I always, we, we talk about the Word of God, we read the Word of God, and, and, and I come at the end and say, hey, what stuck out to you about the Word of God? What did God make stick out to you? And he said, well, what, made, what stuck out to me was the fellowship we had, this body of believers, this fellowship that we have together. You know, God, you stuck out, you believed. God said, go, you believed, and God said, wow. He wooed, he wooed you there. He wowed you a bit. You coming back, or did you just say that just for Wednesday? That was it. He's like, I got to say something, man. No, but I saw your face, man. It was for real. You were blown away by that fellowship, the love of Christ that you felt in the body of believers. Dude, you got to believe. It's not about behaving. It's about believing. And Paul said, I am a slave in love with my master. I wonder how many of us can say that. That's something we ought to check out. Take a picture of that with your phone, man, just so you can check that. Say, am I a slave and am I in love with my master? That's something. And, 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 and again, it's not about you making yourself like It's a matter of believing him. A slave does whatever the master says, however the master says, and just says, boom, I'm doing it. As you serve him, you fall more in love with him over and over and over again. I'm a slave to him, and I'm in love with my master. That's how Paul starts it all off with. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now look at this. So I'm a slave in love with who? My master. Now the next thing he says, I am sent out on a special mission for my master every day. Moment by moment every day. All right? So how many of y'all ever wondered what the heck you were doing getting up? <laughs> Anybody ever? Alarm goes like, what am I doing today? <laughs> well, I'm playing disc golf with Gavin, but like, what am I doing today? Have you ever like, what, you're on their way to work. What am I really doing today? Man, you know, that's what midlife crisis is. What am I doing? Um, in fact, when uh, a guy named Rick Warren back in the 90s or whatever went out to California and started the Purpose Driven Life, which whatever it's turned into is irrelevant now, but back then he got to California and he tried all of his Southern Bible Belt tricks because he's a third generation Southern Baptist pastor. He tried all of those things on all the California people in Silicon Valley and, or in, in LA and all that. And they were like, yeah, what? No, we don't need that stuff. And he sat on the beach and he's like perplexed. Why would you bring me here, God? And he sat on the rocks at the jetty, Chuck, and he's watching. I don't even know where, what beach. He didn't even say, but he's in L.A., so probably Huntington or somewhere. And what he was watching was the surfers, and he was watching them catch waves. It was probably Huntington, and they're, you know, nose riding, all oh, this stuff, you know, whatever. Not like what, yeah, you know, they, they were riding. And he was, like, blown away, like, oh, my goodness. He started thinking, and God started speaking. And you know what he said? He said, you know what I noticed the surfers weren't doing? They weren't making waves. They were riding the waves that were already there. And God started speaking to them. Surfers don't make waves. They ride waves. If you spend all your time trying to make a wave, Chuck, is, are you ever going to have energy to ride one? 
Are you ever going to make a wave big enough to ride? No, you ride the waves that are there. And it takes different vehicles. That's why Chuck makes so many different kinds of boards. He takes different vehicles to do it. And so we don't make waves, we ride them. And so he started saying, hmm, what is it that these people in California are missing? They're missing their purpose. They're going to work. They're doing this. They can't figure, why do I exist? And found out it wasn't just California where people were missing their purpose. Most people get up in the morning and have no idea why they're in existence. And so he started showing them from God's word, this is your purpose. Your purpose is to serve the Lord God Almighty and watch him do what he wants to do in your life. Because he loves you. He knows everything. He's everywhere and can do anything. And, and he wants to take, he, he wants you to become more like him. So what he started doing was showing people their purpose. You know when your purpose is? Every single day. And is your day tomorrow going to be exactly like your day today? How about your day yesterday, day before? So the Apostle Paul, man, he said, I, he realized he was sent out on a special mission for who? His master. Yeah, he was sent on a mission for his master. And if you're in love with your master, hey, you ever love a boss, man? Yeah, I mean, you ever, you ever love the job you're at? You love your job right now, right? MFI, your pilot, and, and the boss like, hey, I want you to stay a little extra and do this. Kristen, what's he going to do? Oh, he's going to, okay, I'll stay extra. Oh, three more days? Yeah, no problem. Kristen's back there with the babies. Y'all better get that in balance, I'm just saying. But anyways, you love your job. You love your boss. And you want, they, he wants you to do some boom. This is a special. Hey, Kristen, it's a special thing that needs to be done right now. Have you ever say that? It's not going to be at the norm, but it's something special. If you want, and, and that gives you excitement to do that. Every appointment we have, Sue, is a divine appointment. Everything, the, every person we encounter, who orchestrates all that? God does. Karen, where are you at, man? You know what? You talked about what you got, what you got from God out of Johnny going in the hospital. Dude, Johnny, look at all the trouble God went through just to speak to your wife. Is that not a divine appointment, y'all? But we look at it like, oh, man, no, no, dude, every single thing is a divine appointment, and God is so trying to show us how much he loves us. He's got a special mission for us all the time, everywhere. If you love your master and you're a slave to your master, you, you want to know what he wants you to do. And your master says, go do this. Oh, uh, Jesse and Kirsten, you guys are fixing to take, how many kids y'all got? Like 12, right? I, I, Haiti, whatever, y'all are fixing to take your loving little family, you just got a house here, you're fixing to go back to Haiti, right? What the heck are you thinking? No, have you heard that? Have you heard that? Maybe you don't hang out with people. How many of y'all would say to them, what the heck are you thinking? There's gangs running Haiti, there's this, but who is your master that you're in love with, y'all? Jesus Christ, and what does your master want you to do? To go back and run that school in Haiti and your family in Haiti and have a place here to come back to. And you're figuring it all out. But it's a divine appointment. It's all a divine appointment. But it's only by staying in intimate contact with him. If you're not his slave, he doesn't have all of you. He, you're over here doing something. He's like, hey, hey, trying to get your attention. You're not even in any position to see divine appointments. It's when you're walking with them that you just see life from his perspective and get to do that. So Paul, he said, I'm a slave and I'm in love with my master. I am sent out on a special mission for my master every day. How many of y'all are looking forward to going to work tomorrow morning? All right, good. All two of you. How many of y'all are like saying, dang, I'm still thinking about that slave to my job thing. Anybody, anybody thinking like, yeah, I'm not really, dude, I, how many of y'all would love to have a day off tomorrow? Yeah. But you know what God has in store for you, bro? He has a divine appointment for you at work tomorrow if you want to accept that mission. That's what he's got for you tomorrow, no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing. There's a divine appointment here, a divine appointment for everybody you run into, not literally on US-1, but I'm just saying, everybody at the restaurant, everybody, it's a divine appointment when you see life from his perspective. Then you can help others see it that way. Paul said, I'm sent out on a special mission from my master every moment of every day. And look at this again, Paul, a servant of Christ. I'm a slave to a master that I love, and I'm sent out on a special appointment. He says, I'm called to be an apostle. Now, he was one of the apostles. There were 12, 
Judas hung himself. Another story, they brought in Matthias. Matthias, help me out with his name. Yeah, that guy. And they brought him in, Matthias, and, and the apostle Paul is literally one of those with the apostolic authority. That's a whole other message in itself right there. But the word apostle means called out. You're called out. You're, you're called out of this group to be a special person to be used in this way. How many of y'all are called out? You want to Chris is like, she's that, she sent me a text last week and said, yeah, and you're an apostle. And she said, I don't know how you take that word. Well, that's how I take it. I don't have an apostolic authority of what they had, whatever. I can't bring any new revelation. But I am called out. You're called out. What are you doing when you're calling? JT, come on. No, I'm busy doing this. <laughs> you know, Brad, come on. Come on. Jesus is calling you out. Come on. No, I'm just going to sit at home and grumble. No, not that that's what you do. Does he do that? No, not at all. It's you that does that, right? But anyways, no, you're called out. He's always calling us out. And, and we represent him here. In fact, Steve, I love, you were the one who really drove this home through no place left. It's not a mission. It's not a ministry. It is a movement, right? A movement to share the gospel until no place is left. They go start churches. They teach people how to share their faith. You ever want to know how to go do this? You want to go with them? Raise your hand, Steve. Go with those guys, man. They're awesome in doing that. But you brought up the scripture. I think it's in Corinthians, right, where he says, he says, man, when you get saved, you are a new creation. Everything is old and gone, and it's new. You've been created to be something new. And what we're created to be is not whatever we want to be. We're created to be ambassadors for him. When you get saved, you're now an ambassador for him. Everything you encounter is a special job that he's picked you for. Amy, if he needs somebody to share the gospel at yoga, is he going to use me? Not likely. He's using you. You're the yoga lady. I'm just saying. It's like, how many of y'all know you have some special things about you? <laughs> that you're, how many of y'all know you're weird? Amen. That's the way God made you. Man, he made you to be weird. He made you to be different. I listened to a pastor one time. He was preaching. A, it was at a conference. He was, I don't know, he was either from Australia or South Africa. One of those weird accents, all right? But anyways, he was preaching. He said, oh, you guys in America, you are so good at whatever you choose to do. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's us, you know? And he's like, man, I am just blown away by how well you do things when you choose to do them. And we're like, yeah, tell us more, tell us more. And you know what you guys are really, really good at? And we're like, yeah, tell us. What are we good at? He said, lawns. Like, what? He said, lawns. He said, I come to America and I, I, I come to preach. And I usually get picked up like on a Friday late at night and I'm tired. And I spend the night at somebody's house. And then Saturday morning, he said, never fails. I am woken up by what? lawnmowers. Y'all have one day off a week, and, and you're edging your lawn, you're spraying your lawn, you're weed-eating your lawn, you're mowing your lawn, all so it can look like everybody else's lawn. Otherwise, I think y'all get fined for that, right? Not in Fort Pierce, we don't, but in fact, I'm growing stuff in my yard I can't even identify, right, Gavin? <laughs> Gavin said it's okay, though, but anyways... Yeah, you, you make lawns, and they all look the same. You're all trying to look the same. And he said, think about his. You know what we do in my country? He said, we grow weeds. <laughs> he, said, he said, what are you all always pulling out of your lawn? We're pulling a weed out. He said, because weeds grow, don't they? He said, you have to fertilize a weed? No. Yeah, no, man, you have to fertilize lawn. He said, lawn is the most inefficient thing to grow. It's got shallow roots. It rots. It's, it's, look at all you have to do to take care of it. If y'all just grew weeds, it would be easy, and you could do something else on Saturdays. Yeah. And he said, so you get my point? You're all going through a lot of work to grow something very inefficient that all looks the same. Because when I go into a subdivision, yeah, it is impressive. I see all these lawns, and they all look the same. And if one doesn't, it's ostracized, right? <laughs> How many of y'all are that lawn? <laughs> and some of y'all are like, oh, I wish I had my neighbor's lawn. If you had your neighbor's lawn, it'd look like yours. Just saying. Another story. But he said, man, you know what? He said, that's what your churches are like. Every one of y'all trying to grow a church exactly like the other church. 
He said, dude, be a weed. And I was like, we can do that here. <laughs> we can be a weed, yes. And you know what? All that it comes down to is the Word of God is our final authority. And Christ is our only way to salvation. And we, give, and we believe. We just believe what He says to do. And you know what He brings to Driftwood? He brings some of y'all that are just crazy enough to do what He said to do. And I don't want to keep pointing all y'all out, but if you're one of them, give it up for Him. Yeah. Dude, I'm just saying, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be weeds. How many of y'all know you can't kill weeds? Nutgrass. Anybody know what nutgrass is? Nutgrass. That's the stuff that grows in your flower bed. I don't care how much mulch, how much plastic, how much... There's going to be nutgrass. Every farmer... I, I got guys that I know that deal with... Oh, yeah, you can't kill nutgrass, man. You pull it up, there's more nuts down in the ground. It's going to grow. Be nutgrass. How many of y'all think, Steve, Chrissy, would, would he be good nutgrass? Yes, you're good nutgrass, bro. Gavin, be nutgrass. Man, I'm just saying, be a weed. That's what God wants. Realize every single thing that comes into your life is by His design to make you more like Him. And when you become more like Him, the world goes, wow, that wasn't you. That's God, and He gets the glory. Amen. Man, I'm just looking at all the nutgrass around here, dude. Tiny, I'm looking at you, bro. You're like the epitome of nutgrass. I'm so glad when God brought you here, man. I, and that's a compliment. Is there any, are there any other tinies anywhere in the world? No, you're the only tiny there is, man. And if you're not being you, who are you being, bro? Somebody else. Are you going to be as good at being somebody else as you are at being you? No. And if you're not being you and you don't even think it's worth being you, is anybody else going to try to be like you? Hey, Sam, does the world need a tiny? So if he's not being tiny, he's ripping the world off. And that's true for every one of you. Apostle Paul said, man, I'm a slave and I am in love with my master. And I'm in love with him because he gives me unique missions every day. He's called me out to do special things for him all the time. And I'm called to be an apostle. I'm, and yes, that was his special call. He said, but you're being called out and that's what we're being done, what's happening to us. So here's what he says. I have a master that I am in love with. I'm constantly being called out to do a special mission for my master all the time. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe this mission is from him, and I am going to separate myself from anything that will hinder the mission my master's given me. So you know what that means? That means in the morning you got to submit to him again. I'm your slave, in a, and I couldn't think of a better master to have. Could you have a better master than the Lord Jesus Christ, Rena? There's no better master than him. He loves you more than anybody could ever love you, and, and, and his plans for you you're, are phenomenal, and you're only here for a little bit. You guys understand what's next for us, and this is because of Jesus. What is next? What could happen at any moment? There doesn't need to be any signs. Nothing needs to happen. Nobody builds a temple. Doesn't have to be a red heifer. What happens next for us, y'all? A rapture. For you mid-tribbers, you're going to have to wait a little bit, but I'm, we're all counting on the rapture right now. He comes, and at the rapture, we're, what are we going to do, y'all? For seven years, what are we going to do? Dude, we're going to have a food. No, we're going we're to be with him at a marriage, a marriage ceremony. Man, this is going to be a wedding like no other wedding. We're the bride. He's the groom. A wedding like nobody's ever had. It's perfect, and we're going to be perfect. He's perfect. How many of y'all have ever been to a, a, a wedding disaster with bridezillas? <laughs> Bill, you're not raising your, your hand, hand, man. You were using that word pretty frequently when we were praying for your daughter the other day. I'm just saying. They're not watching, are they? Did I just mess y'all up? All right, good, 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 good. Please pray for Bridezilla, dude, and God answers prayers, right? There is no Bridezilla at this wedding. Everything is perfect. How many of y'all ever wait till your table is called at the wedding? All right, table 58, now you can eat. You get up there, there's a dried, shriveled piece of white meat chicken, and I think them used to be asparagus, <laughs> you know. Dude, this food's fresh, this food's good. It's got, it's Christ is all over. It's our wedding with him, and it's going to last seven years, and we're going to not want it to end. But it's going to end because he's coming back to the earth that he's destroyed and getting ready to build a new one. And we have this millennial kingdom where for a thousand years we're going to be on a perfect planet. 
Anybody ever been on a perfect planet? How many of y'all remember what Florida used to be like before they covered it with concrete, y'all? Dude, it's going to be even better than that if I could imagine. Man, a perfect planet. And you know what? On top of that, I'm going to have a perfect body. <laughs> How many of y'all ever had a perfect body? <laughs> no. On a perfect planet for a thousand years. And then after that, at the end of that thousand years, you know what's going to happen? The new heaven and the new earth are coming. I'll go read the last two chapters of Revelation this afternoon if you need encouragement. New heaven and new earth come out. And, and, and we get to go back and forth and be in that for how long, y'all? In perfect bodies, serving a perfect God. So, man, at any point in time, the rapture could happen. Could it happen today? Yeah. It could happen anytime. You've got limited time to serve the master you love because the only way we can show him we love him is by serving him while we're here. Man, limited time. Think about that limited time while you're here. So Paul says, you know what? I'm not letting anything get in the way. I'm not letting anything get in the way. I'm, I'm going to separate myself from anything that will hinder my mission for my master that he's given me. And the mission is the gospel of God. Hey, what are some things we have to separate ourselves from? <laughs> I will separate myself from anything that will hinder the mission. How many of y'all got to separate yourself from yourself? <laughs> from your bad attitude, from your, your bad illusion of who you are in Christ. How many of y'all need to know, need to understand what you're, uh, who you are in Christ, your identity? That's what Romans is going to show us. It's going to blow us away some point, every one of you that's here, at some point you're going to hear something that's going to go, I, I got it. There it is. <laughs> I mean, that's what Romans is going to do. I'm looking forward to that so much. But it starts with a saying, I'm a slave to my master that I love. I understand everything he puts in my life. It's a, it's a special mission for me uh, to serve him and show him I love him. And, and, and it's the most awesome mission that I could ever have. So I'm not going to let anything get in the way. But understand, whether he's got you growing stuff like Gavin, got you doing yoga like Amy, got you building surfboards like Chuck, got you flying planes like Kevin, got you doing FCA like Russ, <laughs> got you, what do you even do, Julie? You got like, man, you got so many things you do, right? So he can live the, you know, his beach life, right? I'm just messing with you, you know. No, no, y'all doing stuff, man. Whatever it is you got going on, it's by him. You're serving him. Serve him. And if it's not what he wants you doing, he'll move you somewhere else. He'll, he'll change things up. But that's got to be your goal. And you can't let anything get in the way. Anything, including yourself. Hey, oh, Charlie Burley's not here. He left. Uh, but Charlie Burley and I went through this. And also, it says, I beseech you, my brethren, by the mercies of God. What book is that in again? I beseech you, my brother, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice so that you'll know what's the good and acceptable will of God. And you do. What book is that, Renee? Uh, Rena? Romans again. All of these. Dude, you know what you're going to find out? Every little crocheted pillow your grandma had. Every little cross stitch. It all came out of Romans. It's there. It's rich. But he says you do it by renewing your mind. Our minds get old in this world pretty frequently. We've got to renew it with the word of God and the God of the word. And when it's renewed, we're in love with the master we're serving. We're loving the mission that he's got us on. And we're not letting anything get in the way. You ever been a part of something so good? You've been getting into surfing, right, Sean? Every morning Chuck says you're there. Chuck said he saw you get barreled, bro. I don't even think you knew you got barreled. Did, did you see it when you did? Yeah, it was like, whoo, what happened, man? You got barreled, bro. It's like, and you're out there surfing. Aren't you glad you don't have a cell phone so Julie can't call you? <laughs> Would you want anything to get in the way of you being out? I mean, you're enjoying yourself surfing out there, right? Do you want anything to get in the way of that? No, and that's what we're talking about. Don't let anything get in the way of what you're doing in serving your master out of love because it's the most awesome thing that can be done. And again, you're not doing it to behave you're doing it because you believe. I believe this is what God wants me to do, man. I'm going for it. Because if you try to behave, Chuck, what happens if we just try to behave? It's just going to go downhill from there. <laughs> you just believe, and all of a sudden you find yourself walking around doing what he wants you to do. That's the difference. Believe, 
not behave. If you believe, you'll behave. So look at this last, uh, again, one more time. Paul's servant of Christ. That's my master I'm in love with. Called to be an apostle. I'm being sent out daily on a mission set apart for the gospel. What was Paul's job before he became a Christian? He was a Pharisee. That word Pharisee, there's an Aramaic word they get set. It means separated. So Paul's using a play on words here. He's like, I used to be separated under some religion. I used to be sold out to some religion. But now I'm sold out to the gospel of God. And that's what we're going to look at later is the gospel of God. I already shared with you the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died, buried, and raised again so that he could impart on you his righteous life and take your unrighteous one. If you've never made that exchange with him and he's speaking to your heart right now, just do it, man. Just do it. Believe that that's what it takes. If he already has, man, then enjoy it and believe what he wants you to do. Instead of always trying to behave, you believe you'll behave. Let's try that approach. Father, thank you for loving us. Thanks for giving us the book of Romans. Father, I pray some of this made sense. You know, Father, I just kind of filled up and tried to let it all out and let you be my filter. Obviously, I'm not always good at that. But Father, I pray that every single person in here heard from your word what they needed to hear. Father, I pray for those of us who are believers that we would let you do an audit and see if we are slaves that are in love with our master. Like the church in Ephesus in Revelation. Father, if we've lost our first love and we're just doing it out of obedience. Father, help us do it out of love. Help us to get that first love back by having an intimate relationship with you. Father, help us to realize there's no accidents. That everything that goes on in life you have set up. Even Johnny going in the hospital to get Karen's attention. Maybe it wasn't even about Johnny at all. I don't know. You just have a way of making it about all of us. To make it all work. You're just that good as a boss, as a master. But Father, help us not miss anything you're doing. And in that, Father, I pray that we would be conscious to not let anything get in the way. Anything to get between us and you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.